Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Today's episode is all about grammar. We are interviewing Laura Lee from the Language Arts Classroom. She actually has published her own grammar workbook, which I think is so fabulous. And I know that grammar can be a difficult topic for some of us to talk about. Some of us hate teaching grammar. Some of us don't like teaching grammar or believe in teaching grammar. Some of us love teaching grammar. And I just think that the points that Laura Lee makes in today's episode are really important for all of us to hear. Even if you don't think that you are even teaching grammar, I bet you are. And she's going to talk about that too. So I'm really excited to get into the episode with you guys to share what Laura Lee has to say and just really talk about some clear strategies and takeaways that you can start using today in class. If you're listening to this on your drive to school, you can definitely start applying some of these strategies in your classroom today if you want to. All right, let's jump into the episode. Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast, where it's all things reading and writing all the time. Game-changing lessons and fresh ideas, along with a dose of inspiration, are shared to help make your teaching life just a bit easier. And now your host from the blog EB Academics, Caitlin Mitchell. All right, teachers. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. I am here with Laura Lee from the Language Arts Classroom. Welcome, Laura Lee. Hi. Thanks for having me, Caitlin. We are so excited to be talking about grammar. It is not dry and not not fun. I love grammar so much, and I'm so excited to have your opinions and you share your knowledge with us um, on the podcast today. Yeah, and I'm excited to talk about grammar as well and making it fun in the um, middle school and high school classroom. Awesome. Well, before we start and dive into the content that we want to cover today, can you let our listeners know, you know, who you are, where we can find you, what grade levels you teach, et cetera? Sure. My name is Larry Lee Moss. Um, my blog is languageartsclassroom.com. You can find me on Instagram at ELA Classroom. I currently teach in Illinois um, at a 9 through 12 school. I've taught middle school before. I've also taught um, test prep at a um, community college. So I have lots of different experiences that have kind of contributed to um, how I teach grammar present day. Yeah, I think that's great, um, especially the fact that you have experience with teaching middle school um, and then high school also. You know, when I taught high school, we didn't even have a grammar book. It was very much reliant on us to figure out how we were going to interweave grammar into our English classes. So it was really interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I, and I will say that I am um, incredibly fortunate from that standpoint. I do have grammar books um, that my school provides. Yeah, that's great. I mean, because I do need a grammar book. I'll be honest. Like, I love having something to guide me. Right. And, um, you know, and I always think that some students, that's the reason they come to my class. They, that's the reason they connect to language arts is that's what they enjoy. Just like some kids enjoy poetry, others enjoy writing. Some kids really do enjoy grammar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. That's great. And that's true. You don't really think about that, but you're right. And so I want to go into kind of talking about the overall theme, you know, when we were talking about what you wanted to discuss and bring up on the episode. And you had said, you know, grammar is more than what is wrong. Can you speak into that? Sure. So when um, teachers talk to me and message me in Facebook groups and things, they'll say, I'm just marking up all my children's, you know, my students' papers. They're just absolutely red with um, marks. Well, grammar is so much more than that. Grammar is um, 
what we say and how we write and the syntax of sentences and there's a rich history to it and language is ever evolving. You know, and NCTE really speaks to that and stresses that grammar is more than just writing and that we should connect it to other parts of our curriculum. And so when I approach grammar lessons with students, it's not just here's parallelism, here's subject verb agreement, here's a comma splice. I talk about ways that um, will empower them with a grammatical knowledge for their writing and for their speaking. Mm -hmm. I love that. It it is so applicable. It's not just this isolated concept that's taught, you know, 30 minutes a day and then you go into teaching writing. Right. You know, and that's why I don't do the 10 minute grammar. I know a lot of people, you know, oh, I do grammar at the beginning and then it's out of the way but we're missing a big component if we don't connect it to what we um, see on TV and what we hear our politicians say. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that more a little bit later in the episode. Um, so kind of moving away from that, but going into something that I think is important with grammar is you had talked about interactive activities and how using interactive activities with grammar just really helps students understand concepts. Like, can you talk to us about some of the ideas that you use and the reason that you use interactive activities? Sure. Um, One of the um, reasons that I use interactive activities is because I want students to um, reach those higher level um, thinking. I want them to reach, you know, the top of blooms. And so if, for instance, we do a grammar sort, a grammar sort can be a very basic thing. And when I mean a grammar sort, I mean separating concepts like active and passive voice or simple and compound sentences. Then you could differentiate it in the class and have some students doing complex and compound complex sentences. And so students sort whatever concept it is. But then you can really um, dive into it and start asking more difficult questions and getting students to think about how that language is used. Yeah, can you, I love um, the grammar, sorting, grammar sorts idea. You know, I've done that with my, my eighth graders. I put together this sort for the different types of sentences, you know, simple, compound, complex, and compound, mm-hmm. complex sentences. Mm-hmm. And I put them in groups and it was really hard for them to do. You know, and that's grammar isn't just um, a black and white issue. It is it is complex thinking. What makes this sentence um, passive voice and what makes this one inactive? And so if you really start diving deep with students and looking at that, not only will they start to recognize patterns, but they'll also start to question other things. Yeah. And it was interesting. You're right, because, you know, they would look at the sentence and they were needing to identify independent and dependent clauses and then even deeper than that, they are needing to find the subject and the predicate of the sentence. And is this a subordinate conjunction? Is this a coordinating conjunction? Where's the comma usage? And so there are so many other skills that went into just that one activity. Right. And so that's what I really get excited with grammar. You know, when students start seeing, oh, four, well, that's a fanboy. Wait a minute, four can also be a preposition. And then we have to analyze and look at how it's used. And so we really, just in conversations about grammar, can really um, start um, answering important questions with students and get them thinking. And so that goes into the second point of talking about grammar with our students. So getting them to go into further thinking, critically looking at the sentence. I mean, just it's so interesting. You said that four, just a simple (laughs) word, right? But there's so much to it. Four is is a very simple word, but, you know, hopefully, um, um, you know, egregious. Egregious isn't a simple word. And, um, but do they need to use egregious or egregiously? Mm -hmm. Some 
hopefully our students do need to consult the dictionary and look up a brand new word and hopefully they know how to use it and how to manipulate it. And that kind of makes me think about when my, I tell my students, when you start to make up a word Mm -hmm. to fit in the sentence, like that says to me that you really are starting to understand grammar, even though it's not a real word, the fact that you're trying to make it work. Right. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) So then talk to us about how you talk about grammar with your students in your class. You know, what could we be doing with our own kids to help support them and really understanding grammar and concepts and that it's not, you know, this scary isolated thing. So I, I really connect grammar to every part of my class. And so, yeah, it is very easy to to connect grammar to writing and to correct grammar mistakes. But I also really praise students when they are doing something right. For instance, if a kid really nails a compound complex sentence and the punctuation is right and it's parallel, I really praise them for that. And that is something that, um, that is just one way to really make grammar a positive in your classroom. Another way is with mentor sentences. Now, I don't just do um, mentor sentences and have students copy. I use the domain-specific language of grammar for mentor sentences. So if we are looking at a sentence and analyzing why it was strong or what the author did or how it moved, um, you know, how it maybe helped develop the tone, we will break it down from a grammatical standpoint. Yeah, and so when you're talking about domain-specific vocabulary with your kids. Can you talk to us about that? Like, because for when I hear domain-specific, you know, I'm thinking certain subjects, but I'm not even thinking further into just grammar subject. You know what I mean? Well, you know, and I guess I would consider, you know, monologue and soliloquy domain-specific vocabulary to an English class. Right. Would you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, and I know we do that as teachers so that hopefully, you know, if they're, you know, a software engineer, they, uh, they can take that domain-specific vocabulary and apply it and use it properly like they've done in our class. Um, but, um, for instance, um, with subjective mood, I know that I always joke with kids that may the force be with you is... <laughs> You know, why is that line so popular? Well, it's probably popular because of the subjunctive mood. (laughs) That's hilarious. I love that. What's really cool, I think, too, you know, before we recorded, and then I think we should share with everybody is, I mean, I talked to you when I I first started teaching high school. We didn't even have a grammar book, so I wasn't teaching grammar, and I was very much left on my own. And then I went to teach seventh and eighth grade, and we had a grammar book, and I was kind of teaching grammar separately and wasn't correlating the two. And then I started to become a stronger teacher and I started to kind of do what you say you do as a, as a grammar teacher. And, and I feel like, okay, I'm doing a good job. If that's what you're doing, (laughs) I know I've got it right. So can you share with our teachers who maybe are listening and are like, okay, one, I don't teach grammar Two, I hate grammar. So, you know, I don't even know how to incorporate it effectively in my classroom. And then three, like, how can I make sure that grammar isn't just this isolated thing that I teach 10 minutes at the beginning of my class period and then never touch again? Okay, sure. You know, um, I would say to start small. And even if that is with nouns, that's okay. It just, you just have to kind of, you know, the cliche, get your feet wet. So if you have your students come in someday and say, we're going to label all the nouns and give each student three sticky notes, have them label all the nouns in your rooms. Um, And you're going to get labeled because you're a noun. But... (laughs) 
<laughs> really make it an interactive activity that is not going to flop. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're really nervous about teaching grammar, set yourself up for success. And then, you know, the next day, if you are comfortable with nouns, after you do something like that, if you teach a short story, like, um, say the most dangerous game. I know a lot of people teach that. Divide groups to review the story by nouns. Have, um, a Zaroff, have a Jaguar station, have a Rainsford station, and they can review what each character does. Um, but it's a noun station. And so if you just start small and increase your use of the terms, um, it does matter and it is a step in the right direction. Before you know it, you won't just be teaching it 10 minutes every day because your students will respond well to it. Not everybody, just like not everybody loves poetry, not everybody likes Shakespeare, um, but some students really do enjoy grammar and do succeed at it. And um, they will take to it. And you'll be surprised at um, the students who really do appreciate grammar. And so those are just some really baby, baby steps, some small ways to start including grammar. Um, yeah, I think that that's great. And I was going to say, um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. Oh, darn it. <laughs> it was a good addition to what you were yeah, saying. I know. I know. You know, and I was teaching Romeo and Juliet today. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Go ahead. We were at um, the Act 4 where Romeo and Juliet are married and Paris goes to Friar Lawrence and says, um, you know, I'm going to marry Juliet. And Juliet comes along and she says something to the effect that she loves him. And to the audience, we know that she means Romeo. But that pronoun is very vague and it doesn't have a clear antecedent. And I brought that up to my students and it was just, it was a 10 second connection to grammar. We've talked about pronouns and antecedents, but it was just another layer that we saw in, um, in the play. And of course, Paris thinks Juliet means him. <laughs> right, <laughs> which we know that is not the case, unfortunately, for him. Um, reading nonfiction, we would have no qualms about saying, oh, what's the theme here? Well, normally we don't talk about theme with literary devices, but if we did see a piece, see, you know, a really well-developed theme in nonfiction, we, we would mention it. And so we just need to start doing that with grammar and make it a more comfortable piece of our conversations. Yes. And that's exactly my train of thought that I lost that you, you brought <laughs> up. So I'm glad that you said that because you're, it's true. Like, you know, when you get to a point with your kids where they understand the concepts and you can just talk about it quickly for 10 seconds when you're reading Romeo and Juliet or they're about to sit down and they're going to write an essay in your class and you just say at the very end, hey, by the way, everybody needs to include a complex sentence and I want you to highlight it in your paper. You right. know, it's simple so connections like that on a consistent basis. Right. I, I don't want to see too many linking verbs. If you have too many subject linking verb predicate adjective formations, it's going to become redundant. Yes. Yes. Um, or parallelism. You know, when you're writing your thesis statement, if you teach three, three uh, blah, blah, blah. If you teach a three-part thesis statement, mm -hmm. you know, you want to make sure that your, your sentence is parallel. Um, so it's just cool. It's interesting because as students get stronger with it, it really does so right. much impact their language and their writing and the way that they communicate. 
Yeah, I've had the same experience, Caitlin. And so when teachers, you know, every once in a while a teacher will confide in me, I, I can't teach grammar, I don't teach grammar. I really think that a lot of times teachers aren't giving themselves enough credit. I bet they are. I bet they are teaching grammar. If you're teaching complete sentences, um, fragments and run-ons and things, I'm, I'm sure that you are. And so I would also say that, that the teacher who says, oh, I don't teach grammar, I hate it. I, I, I bet that you're doing a better job than you think. Yes, I love that. Great reminder to us, those of us who are listening, who are, are maybe thinking, oh man, I'm not doing a good job. <laughs> you probably are and you just don't even know. And you're right. You're not giving yourself enough credit. Um, so as we wrap up here, is there anything else? Oh, there is one other thing that I wanted to cover that I thought was, was interesting and important that you said. So, you know, I feel like there has been this like huge movement against direct instruction, you know, uh, maybe not all the time, um, mm-hmm. but there has to be a good delicate balance of both and, or, you know, of all different types of instruction. And, you know, I think that teaching grammar through direct instruction is incredibly important. It's hard to teach grammar otherwise, and then have students really understand it and then be able to have those types of conversations that you were talking about with Romeo and Juliet, if we don't start there. So can you talk about your thoughts on that? Sure. I, I do direct instruction, but I do direct instruction in every element of my classroom. You know, since I am teaching Romeo and Juliet right now, um, at the very beginning, I discussed and defined monologue and soliloquy. And students really did not have a connection to those words yet. And I, and I did tell them, you, you need to memorize those terms. But then I was very specific in connecting it as we read and what makes this a mon- monologue? What makes this a soliloquy? Okay, how can you tell the difference? Oh, here's an aside. And I defined all those words before we started, which would technically be considered direct instruction. Um, and it wasn't really attached to anything until we really um, got into our work. And so I just am very aware that with grammar, I might go to the front of the room and start direct instruction on this is a simple sentence and this is a compound sentence. but I, I don't just end it there. Not only will we do activities, but we'll find it in our own writing. We'll find it in what um, a famous author does and talk about how it moves the story or the piece of nonfiction along. Yeah. And I think that that's maybe the missing part when people say, well, you can't do direct instruction. Well, if yeah. direct instruction is all you're doing. I agree. Well, yeah. but, I, but also, I think if I only did grammar sorts, that wouldn't benefit my right. My introverts either. I just think what we it just requires a combination mm-hmm, mm-hmm, of just all like of them so above, much, right? Like so yeah. much of teaching. Yes, and you know when I taught, I taught fifth grade for one year, which was an okay. interesting experience <laughs> coming from high school, uh-huh. and I had to teach math, and oh. so it was interesting because I'm not a math you know, whiz. I wasn't a good math student myself, but fifth grade math I could handle. But it was really interesting for me to see how similar teaching grammar is to teaching math. I have always said that. And my students who are not, and I always kind of say, you know, my students who do not um, love uh, diving into books and things, they really do appreciate grammar. And a Mm -hmm. lot of times it's my math kids And I just think if we don't teach grammar, we're missing a piece of our population. And it's just language arts is too important to do that. And so when I teach grammar, you know, I am doing it for everyone, but also a lot of students who I just can't reach through, you know, a really pretty poem, I I can reach through sentence structure. And so um, I'm very um, excited to reach kids in that way. Yeah. I love that. So do you have any other like 
final closing thoughts on grammar? Anything you didn't touch upon? Or are you ready to move into our five quick fire questions? Um, you know, I, I think that um, it's just one of those things that kind of resurfaced and um, teachers are left a little stuck. And so I'm really, you know, when teachers say I can't teach grammar and I'm nervous about it, you know, I'm really, I, I'm just very sympathetic to that idea because I once felt that way too. And so I guess the biggest um, takeaway is to just simply ask for help because there are other people struggling teaching grammar, but lots of us like you um, who enjoy teaching grammar will will gladly help. Yes. And you have a ton of great blog posts too that I can direct everybody toward. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, let, let's do it. So you have a gr- bunch of gr- different grammar. I, I do. Um, just any question that I get or any kind of idea that kind of worked with my students, I typically just write up a blog post about it. Fantastic. And don't you have a Facebook group too? I do. It's Grammar Gurus. Gra- and- grammar Gurus. Okay. So if you're struggling with grammar, go search on Facebook for Grammar Gurus. And then Laura Lee, I'm going to link up all of your grammar posts into one link for our listeners and I'll put it in the show notes for them. So if you guys go to ebacademics.com forward slash grammar, you'll be taken to a page that has a bunch of different um, blog posts from Laura Lee for teaching grammar um, and different ideas that you can start to get to help support you in your grammar journey. Awesome. Cool. Okay. So let's get into our five quick fire questions. Okay. All right. Okay. Just the first thing that comes to mind, no right or wrong answer. Okay. So if you could travel anywhere, where would you go? France. Love it. Which part of France? I, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You told me to just say the first thing that just sounds romantic and pretty. And I just want to wear a skirt and yes. coffee and walk around. Have you been before? I have not. No. Oh, okay. My brother lived there for about two years, um, so we went and visited him. And I've been to uh, to Paris a couple times, um, and it's just Everything, yes, okay. it is. It's that and more. And the bread is amazing, and the wine is just delicious. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite month of the year? Uh, probably July. Just hot, warm, it's sunny. July. Know what? I live in Illinois, and I was like, I was telling you right before we started, it's supposed to be negative three today, and I just, I'm just a hot weather person. It's too cold for me right now. Yeah, I could not live in cold weather at all. I'm cold when it's like 45 degrees here. Oh no! Oh no! No no! (laughs) I don't even understand the world in which you live. (laughs) No no no. Um, next question is what is your favorite lunch item? Um, those cheese and nut balance things. What are those called? Those perfect balance. Is that what they're called? I don't know. I have a nut allergy, so I don't eat any bars like that. Yeah. Just this perfect little thing that I can go and grab and get back to what I'm doing. And it just fills me up. It's like, it's got like craisins, cashews, and cheese. Oh, that sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what is the last book that you read? I just read, oh no, I'm drawing a blank. It was kind of controversial. Um, where the crowd dead sing. Oh, how did you like it? So I liked it. I did like it. I can kind of see that it was not in, you know, it wasn't a real thinker. And Mm -hmm. so I think it had some criticism for that, that it was not like, you know, an, just a huge, um, life-changing book, but I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. 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 I've heard the same thing, both sides, you know, yeah. and so I haven't read it yet, so I don't have an opinion on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. If you weren't a teacher, what would you do? 
Um, I would probably be a librarian. I love it. I've had a lot of teachers respond with that. I, I just think that I could sit and read books and maybe write about books and put books on display. And <laughs> I think that that just sounds like a lovely job. Spoken like a true English teacher. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Laura Lee. It was great to have you on the podcast. I love talking about grammar with you. So fun. And I just, I think our listeners are going to take a lot away from today's episode. I thank you for having me. I had so much fun. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode all about grammar as much as I enjoyed recording it with Laura Lee. You know, it's just fun sometimes to sit down and talk about a subject that someone else enjoys just as much as you do and really just kind of brainstorm ideas and talk about ways that you do things. It's just great to collaborate with others. So I hope you have kind of some marching orders or a place to go from here so that you can really start to incorporate grammar more into your classroom or realize that you already are and give yourself the credit that you deserve. So again, to grab um, access to those blog posts that Laura Lee has over on her blog, you can go to ebacademics.com forward slash grammar. I will also add that link in the show notes for you as well. So you can just kind of get started see some ideas that she has and see where you can go from here. All right, you guys, I will see you next week on the podcast. Have a wonderful week.